are listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. Hi, hello, how are you? Mm, I am doing, it is evening time, I'm good, how are you? Yep. <laughs> yeah. We both had monster days at work. Um, it's also like 106 degrees outside. It is a fucking swamp <laughs> in the city of Chicago. Chicago, before being a city, was actually a swamp, so that's on the nose. Fun fact. Yeah. Well, every every like coastal city basically was. The capital of the United States. Swamp. Still currently a swamp, actually. Yeah. Um, there's just buildings there now. Detroit was a swamp. Yeah. Most most water cities. You know, like marshy yeah. areas. Because there's water there. I don't know. Because, yeah. Because water. That's what makes us swamp. water. <laughs> and that was geography. <laughs> geology? What is swamp? What, what, what's Ge- knowing landscapes? I think that's still part of geography. Okay. I Ge- just feel like it was a big part of, like, doing, like, uh, earth science and stuff. Yeah. Really, uh, any earth scientist listening to this podcast is embarrassed for us right now, clearly. Um, maybe they're embarrassed with us. <laughs> Clearly education didn't do much, so that's on everybody. <laughs> uh, but if you're listening to this podcast, and if you are an earth scientist, but even if you're not, this is the Teen Wolf Rewolf, a podcast where we talk about MTV's Teen Wolf. My name is Christian. And I'm Julia. And, um, it's gonna go about as good as it's been going. <laughs> uh, you know what, but I think our lovely listeners have come to, um, anticipate moments such as these. Maybe even, the enjoy, maybe even enjoy. Uh, it, look forward to with anticipation. Well, you know what my least favorite emotion is? What? Secondhand embarrassment. Oh, yes. And I have a feeling <laughs> <laughs> that I'm dishing out way more than I can take. Okay, but here's the thing. I feel like in order to experience like real genuine secondhand embarrassment, the other person has to be embarrassed. And like, I don't know, I'm not terribly embarrassed by my behavior thus far. <laughs> I well, I will say no shame. No, like at this point, I am so much of a cringe queen that it's like, wh- yeah, but yep. yeah. How much worse could it People possibly like, That's get? embarrassing. Yeah, I publicly have a Teen Wolf podcast, so I do whatever. that professionally. I, yeah, I am cringy professionally, and uh, and for fun, like it's <laughs> a good mix of work and pleasure here <laughs> at the Teen Wolf Free Wolf headquarters. Yep, um, and it's fun to get to talk about Teen Wolf. I love today's episode. Um, Me it's too. exciting. We've been talking about this. Ep- there's two episodes of this season that we both really like. This is one, and then obviously Ghosted is like the pinnacle episode of mm-hmm. uh, 6A. Um, but this episode is special because it was written by friend of the podcast, Mr. Will Wallace. Yes, it was. Yes. Um, so because of that, and because uh, Will was a writer on season six, we actually invited him to talk a little bit about this episode for our episode, um, which is exciting. So it's going to be a little bit of an extended episode today. And uh, without further ado, here is Will Wallace's take on this episode and season six. Hello, Will. Hey, how's it going, guys? It's good. Uh, everybody listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf, we are excited to welcome back Mr. Will Wallace, writer of MTV's Teen Wolf. Not the head writer, but writer of episodes. Yes. Uh, Jeff was the head writer and very good at his job. I uh, pale in comparison as a writer and to pretty much all the other writers on the show. I, we don't agree. We disagree. <laughs> we, are, we are proud supporters of, of the Will Wallace episodes, as our listeners will know. Oh, thank um, you. But we agree that Jeff Davis, talented. He, he knows what he's doing, that fella. 
Um, so we just wanted to bring you back onto the show to mm -hmm. talk a little bit about season six. So your first two episodes that you wrote came in season five and then the next three in six. Um, and we just kind of wanted to ask you a little bit about the season. Teen Wolf's okay. sixth season kind of is uh, an anomaly as most shows that get that many seasons are not good by the time they get there. Um, but Teen Wolf's sixth season kind of stands out to us as being like a pretty excellent final season for a show. Right, Julia? I would agree. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so we, you know, we just thought we'd, we'd pick your brain a little bit about it. But first, on a personal note, mm -hmm. um, so you had your first uh, two episodes that you wrote by yourself in five. Did you enter uh, season six feeling a little bit more like a veteran or did it feel like, okay, the pressure's on those first two were, you know, easy peasy. Now I got to really blow things out of the water. Well, with, with those first two, or maybe it was just the first one it all kind of blurs together. I, I, that might end up being the answer to a lot of my questions because it all feels like just one six year episode that we were making. But um, like the first one that I wrote, and we'll just say the second one, the first two I wrote, I was still the assistant. So there was some plausible deniability in there that if it came out bad, you could be like, well, he was just the assistant, you know? But then when season six started, Jeff was like, all right, well, you're, you're a writer now. You're not going to get coffee and lunch for us anymore. And then I was like, oh shit. Um, now I'm, now I'm actually doing this thing for real and, uh, I have to be held accountable <laughs> for all of the work. So it was, it was more terrifying. I think for that first episode, I was just riding high on, um, on, cause it was like 507. We, cause you know, we, we finished the outline and it went to, I'm not sure. I don't remember who that writer was, but basically, you know, we, every two or three weeks we'd finish an outline and then that writer for that episode would go off. And Jeff would close down the mind map file for that episode and open up a brand new one. And he just kind of looked around the, the table and said, all right, well, you're writing this one. And I was just like, what? <laughs> and actually Alyssa Clark, one of the other writers took a picture of me right when I found out. And um, it was great. But um, yeah, so going into season six, I was like a real writer. Like I was now there to do the job that I'd been thinking about since the eighth grade. So it was a lot scarier um, just because all the writers on the show are a lot better at it than me. And no. um, yeah, no, I mean, like, I, I don't want to say I was a bad writer. I was pretty mediocre, but um, you know, but it was just being at the table as the assistant and getting to, to, pitch ideas and all that was great because Jeff was very much of the opinion that if you're sitting at the table you gotta you gotta do the job even if you're just the assistant you gotta pitch ideas you gotta we're there to to tell a story and it's all hands on deck all the time and then getting and then moving into season six where it was just like it was now it was real it was really real and we'd moved to our new stage at that point and so we were in the new writer's room and it was just real but it was also pretty fucking great I hope we can cuss um, totally, or bleep it yeah. out or something so no, uh no, yeah no. Was... we have the little explicit thing on our podcast our listeners know what we're about so. oh, okay yeah it was uh it was pretty fucking great but um, um yeah do you feel like you delivered yeah i did I, I i do um just because uh jeff is not the type of person who suffers fools so had i not been doing a good job um they could have just fired me <laughs> You know, because because uh, uh, well, and I'm serious. I mean, I'm like, I'm serious. Like, 
writers get paid really well to do the job. And it's like, well, I'm not worth it. Why are you keeping me around to pay me all that money to not turn in good work? So I, I feel like my work was sufficiently good enough that they didn't have to fire me. Hey, so that's <laughs> the best you can ask for. Yes. Um, no, and I, I love hearing that about Jeff Davis because I think it is definitely reflected in the, the show. Um, and, you know, you, you see really uh, excellent work produced by all of the writers. And I think that that definitely comes from the top down. Um, you mentioned the change in the writer's room. I uh, am, you know, really curious to know what it was like going into season six, especially knowing that you were not going to have um, Dylan O'Brien as much in your cast. That completely changes, you know, the dynamic of the show, how you're writing episodes. Was that, did that seem like a challenge going into the season? It, it was a challenge insofar as writing all television is a challenge. It's all hard. Yeah. It's not an easy <laughs> job, but I mean, it was, it was, it wasn't so much challenging for me personally as just sad, you know, cause something happened and Dylan mm -hmm. wasn't with us for a while and we had already been breaking the season, you know, so we had to stop what we were doing. The, the main story, well, the main story did change, but like the ghostwriters are always there. You know, that was a, a holdover from season five. We we knew while we were writing season five that Ghost Riders are next season. You know, that we we had some ideas that ended up not panning out, but we knew going into season six that it was Ghost Riders. So that was that. And then when the accident happened, we just had to figure out, well, what does this mean for the story? Like, how how can we change the story? Or not change the story, just how do we tell this story without... The, the basically second lead of mm -hmm. the show and that's when I'm sure it was Jeff or somebody hit upon well okay the ghostwriters disappear people you know and that's how we get around not having Dylan is that he's been wiped from the show literally just wiped out of the story and it's the main and it's Scott and the rest of the pack have to figure out what's missing from their life and then it's it's styles and um yeah that's basically what we did you know, it, it's interesting that obviously that was scary and for mm -hmm. a multitude of reasons. Yeah. But, um, you know, having that be had to be written in the show the way it was, it actually is really effective because it relocalizes sort of the emotional points of that show, like right. of the show so significantly that I think that 6A is an incredibly successful season. Thank you. Um, but I want to kind of hear from you about six. Mm -hmm. Like I said earlier, like a lot of shows that reach six seasons kind of are in the toilet at that point. What do you think yeah. counts for the success of the six season? Just how hard everyone worked like it. Cause really? you know, like there, there are some shows I'm not going to name any names, but you know, it's like certain, certain types of shows. And I think maybe this comes more with shows that are not serialized. So like procedurals, you know, or sitcoms where it's just, you get into a rhythm of, of kind of a rhythm of efficiency of how things are done and how stories are broken and written, how they're shot. Cause you do it for so long. I mean, like you get to like 200 episodes, you know um, it, it, it really does become kind of a machine that you're putting out this story. And for us, we didn't really have that luxury just cause each season was so different from the previous one that we were constantly trying to find the best way to tell the story that we wanted to tell. And that just meant there was never a time when anyone could really rest on their laurels. It was always, okay, 
we're finishing up this season, we're moving in the next season. We know kind of what we want to do, but it's that, well, that means costumes has to do a whole bunch of new stuff. That means special effects has to figure out how we're going to do the ghost riders. John Gross has to come in and figure out how are we going to do all the stuff with the lightning and the disappearing. And, you know, it's like every department is like now has new, a new job to do. It's not like doing something like Roseanne or how I met your mother, where it's like, well, the sets don't change, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. They all basically wear the same clothes and, you know, stuff like that. Where So it's just like we didn't really have that that luxury where every every episode is a movie that we're making in seven days. And, um, yeah, so I think that's how you kept it fresh, how we were able to keep it fresh, where it was just trying to tell the absolute best story we can tell at all times. And mm-hmm. we didn't really have the luxury of because, I mean, that's how Jeff is, where he's just like we're not we're not aiming for OK. We're aiming for the best we can possibly do. And so that's just how we did it. I appreciate that. I think it shows, I think like Teen Wolf, even in some, um, you know, shows that are a little bit more similar in structure, they have Mm -hmm. a lot more like, you know, I guess carry through on some of the plot lines and some of the locations that they're shooting on. And Teen Wolf is very much like, it's almost like a collection of mini series in a certain way. Yeah, Um, I mean, yeah shows in this season and and i i love the ghost writers and i think that you know it's i think it would be so exciting to be able to come in every season and be like my job is different so that's really fun to hear um so on a personal note you were flying by the seat of your pants on season five you were you know knocking it out getting those first few episodes in did you come in with a you know maybe not a plan but like certain goals you wanted to meet for yourself um on your season six episodes yeah, don't get fired. Okay. Sure. Yeah, Un- honestly, honestly, I, I, um, I, uh, back way back, I worked on the first season of Community, and um, it was a great I job. It was a lot of fun. Great show. Great people. It was great. And then the first season ended, and uh, as I was walking out the door, you know, everyone was like, "We'll see you in August." It was like June or something mm-hmm. like that. It's like, we'll see you in August when it's time to pick up again. It's like, yay. So I was like, I'll have a couple of months off. I've got a job waiting for me. Well, August rolled around and I called my boss and was like, hey, when do I come back? And they're like, oh, you're not. And oh, um, no. and wow, so I was like, yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, well, oh, shit. And that led to two years of unemployment because I was right when the recession hit and it wasn't great. But so I just, from that mo- moment on, I just kind of, this probably maybe not the healthiest way to operate, but I was just like, any job I got, I was like, every day is my last day. So I have to do the best job I can. And I just assume I'm going to get fired. And um, yeah, now that I say that out loud, it's not a very healthy thing to do. But um, so, yeah, I was just, I loved Teen Wolf so much. You know, I was unemployed uh and i just answered an ad on production notices.com and it was for teen wolf and it was awesome and then they were in georgia for two seasons so i was basically unemployed for another two seasons before they came back thankfully joe and karen the two exec producers really liked me and i only lived like four or five blocks from them we discovered so they just kind of threw me bones every now and then like if one of their kids was having a birthday party they'd be like here here come over help us help us do this we'll give you some money and say oh thank you so much and then once the show came to LA I was just like I have to work on this show as long as I possibly can and have to do the best job possible because I love this show very much and um so yeah that was just basically my attitude through all of it was just do the absolute best job you possibly can and then I did and right on yeah 
I mean, it, yeah, it is a little unhealthy to live your whole life in the don't get fired zone. Like presumably at a certain point, you should be like, I'm pretty sure I'm not getting fired. Yeah. But especially when you're starting out, I mean, people always talk about paying your dues and, you know, what you have to do to make it in this industry or any industry. Yeah. And I think that especially for, cause I know like a lot of our listeners like want to go into film and TV, like want to do this stuff. That's like the best advice you can kind of give is like, you got to hustle, man. Yeah. You gotta and work you gotta hard to be passionate about what you're doing. So, I mean, yeah. it, it, it's welcoming to hear that because it kind of proves what everyone has to kind of go through. Like it yeah. proves that, you know, you do have to do that. Um, yeah. So maybe unhealthy long-term, but yeah. when you're starting out, you better yeah. move it. Yeah. You gotta work your ass off. Um, you know, I have one final question for you mm -hmm. and people love, this is a big topic on Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, let's say tomorrow, Yep. Jeff Davis calls mm -hmm. Teen Wolf season seven. We're yep. doing it. Are you going yep. back to the writer's room? Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I would no. Being a TV writer is the greatest job I've ever had. It's the only job I've wanted since the eighth grade. And, and I got to do it and it was fucking awesome. So if Jeff did call and I was like, Hey, we're doing it. When can you be in LA? I'd be like four days. I need a day to pack up my cats and my clothes and uh, three days to drive. And I'll see you on Monday. So yeah. Right on. Okay. And then a follow up question. Would you rather do a Teen Wolf season seven or a Teen Wolf spinoff? Uh, season seven being just a continuation with the same characters or season seven reboot? Season seven being a continuation of the same characters. Spinoff. Spinoff. Yeah. Us yeah. Too. yeah. I would love yeah. a spinoff. We would, yeah. we always talk about this, how we'd love an, a spinoff about um, either Nishiko or Chris. It would do a mm -hmm. prequel series. We think it'd be great. Yeah, uh, a friend of mine and I were actually talking about this over the weekend of doing um, like I would love to do a show. This is my friend Kate Colvin, who mm -hmm. who I do the podcast with Return to Beacon Hills. Here a Return subscribe. to Beacon Hills fame. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a Return to Beacon Hills fame. Like and subscribe. Thank you. Um, you know, we were talking about it and uh, and she and I kind of riffed on each other a little bit of um, like what we'd like and like a show about Kira being unstuck in time where because then it because then it gets the the kitsune is eternal it's it's just part of the universe type of thing and so it's just like so it's existed and she's kind of like unstuck in time moving with the kitsune through all these different time periods and stories and i think it was kate who said it was it's it's basically quantum foxfire and you know <laughs> where she's she's you know writing all the wrongs and moving through time and kind of, and being sort of a younger version of her mom. Cause she, you know, lived for so long and kind of seeing all the stuff she went through and yeah. So yeah, I'd love to do a spinoff and just to bring in some new blood into the, into the universe itself. I love all yeah. the, the original characters, but they had a good run. They had a good hundred episodes and the universe is so big that I'd love to see, to see new stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it is, it is certainly a rich expanse of anybody you could build on, especially somebody who like it was maybe slightly underserved in the show, like Kira, who mm -hmm. would have this big story. So I love hearing that. Um, well, we just want to say thank you so much for your time. We're excited because we are watching Sundowning tonight to record Yay. the episode on. So we're definitely excited to get this interview in before that. And we're really thankful for your time. Awesome. I'm very happy I get to talk to you all about this episode because it's my my not my it's my favorite episode that I wrote because I got to be on set every single day for it because um, that's normally what happens with writers is you go to set and you're the voice of the story. 
And on Teen Wolf, we didn't have that many writers. And so we, <laughs> we couldn't afford to lose someone for seven or eight days. And so, um, but for this one, Jeff was like, you could go be on set. And, and it was fantastic. So, yeah. That's awesome. That makes us even more excited to watch it. Um, thanks again, Will. Uh, if you guys are interested in more of what Will has to say, you guys can listen to the Return to Beacon Hills podcast. I think they're RTBH pod on Twitter. RTH podcast, RTBH podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, follow them on Twitter. That's also their Instagram handle. They You can subscribe to them anywhere that podcasts are with his wonderful mm-hmm. co-host, Kate and Calissa. Um, yep. We're happy to have them be friends of the Rewolf. We're happy to get to talk to Will and we are so thankful for this. Thank you again, Will. No, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, y'all have a good time watching this episode. It's gonna be a good one. So we like did in fact have a great time. I would concur. So fun. This episode is Eclipse. Um, We get a little bit of Sheriff backstory, which is cool because up until now, he's just sort of been like, we know this this even a backstory that we have for Styles. Yes. And that he's a good dad. Good dad. Good dad. Yeah. Which is rare in the landscape of teen television. So. And it's really interesting to me to see the sheriff, like, who is in this universe, not a dad, but clearly, like, those instincts are still so present. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, it's, like, part of, you know, styles reaching through the void or whatever. Um, but it, it was interesting. It was fun. It clipped. I'm excited to talk about it. Same. But first, we have to do the 60 second recap. I don't anticipate doing terribly well on this. Um, okay, I will say, this is an Everything Happens So Much episode. And we haven't had one of those in a while. Um, no. Well, here's the thing. We were eased into season six. <laughs> we were like, this is so luxurious. Every scene lasts five minutes and no major plot points have happened. I'm having a great time. And now it's like, all right, catch up. Hello. Amazing. Well, it was also, I will say, so well paced that I didn't even realize how quickly things were going and I, how much was happening. For sure. For sure. For the first three-fourths of the episode yeah the first three-fourths of the episode i was like this is amazing i could watch so much more of this and then the last fourth of the episode i was like okay oh more information oh more information oh okay more information that so, is enough slices that is enough slices um we'll get into that like we do not have to hash that out now we do actually have to tell the people what that last fourth of the episode was all about i i can almost certainly guarantee you i will not make it that far but nope. we will try nope i certainly would never <laughs> If I don't make it all the way through, I'm not making it to the halfway point. That's just where that's just where I'm at. That's where yeah. everyone should expect me to be. And this is not going to be one of those miraculous episodes where I somehow knock it out of the park. I feel like we set really solid expectations for this ep- this podcast. It in is general. season six of the Teen Wolf Free Wolf. If you're if you don't know why you're here, we don't know what to tell you. We don't know what to tell you exactly. Um, Julia, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Very confident. <laughs> yeah. On your mark, get set, go. Okay, so the physics Nazi teacher is talking about power and this flashback to when he broke out of the tank because the dread doctors died and he's like coughing like crazy and has to get helium to feel better. Um, and then there's a girl who's looking for her sister who disappeared and Hayden's like, I don't remember you, but I'm going to help. Lydia and Scott are trying to figure out what Styles is and Malia's taking a math test and freaks out and transforms and runs away to her fluent hiding place. Um, the sheriff tells him that Styles is a name and it used to be like his grandfather's. Lydia sees the ghost of an old woman um, making train noises and she's staring at the wall that used to be uh, Styles' bedroom. The sheriff is like, you can't go talk to uh, my dad because he sucks. And Chris is back because he needs Melissa's help. Uh, Hayden is trying to help the girl with uh, the missing sister, but she doesn't believe the Ghost Rider story. Um, and Scott's like, well, you guys have to protect her until we get back because we're going to go visit uh, Styles' grandfather. Um, the man at the school was killed by a werewolf. Um, and Chris is like, he 
there's somebody else got eaten, you know, there's bite marks in his head, and they go to the um, nursing home, and Mr. Solinsky thinks it's 1976 because he has dementia. Um, Mace, Lima Mason throw the lacrosse party to Curly like pop protect. that is a minute. Oh my god, I got a little. I feel I I feel like I watched you sort of fade. You did your own sundowning on this one. <laughs> I really did. Well, because the. The great thing about watching TV is that we're able to like flip back and forth between different backstories, but sometimes, or like different plot points. Um, but I try to kind of like link them together, uh, and then I get confused about timing, etc. Yeah, no, I get it. So um, you have a minute to try and do a little bit better than I did, which I think I did not get halfway through. I got like halfway through. Yeah. So you can try to do a little bit better than me. Are you, Are you ready? Uh, you don't sound very confident in me. I so. am con- I am still like recovering from my It really lack of is oxygen. a trauma that we yeah. <laughs> experience every episode. Every two days we do this to ourselves. Yes. So yeah. Are you ready to try your Girl, best? Uh, don't stop asking me that. <laughs> okay, well I'm gonna give you a minute starting right now. Okay, so the Nati is teaching uh physics and then it's a coughing fit and then has all these flashbacks and then he'd like he needs helium to heal himself and then um there's some girl in the locker room and she's like why doesn't anyone remember my sister and then hayden is like i'll help you and then malia's taking mathis and she like totally coyotes out like full transformation and they're like we have to get out of and then like scott and lydia come to find her and for some reason the sheriff is there and they're like we just you know we feel like this thing this is all leading back to some named styles and the sheriff is like that's my dad but you can't visit him and they're like we're gonna do it anyway and then scott tells that to liam and liam's like well what am i supposed to do about this girl whose sister disappeared and scott's like figure it out so liam's like well if i throw a party in scott's house the Ghost Riders can't get in because of the mountain ash. Yeah, super smart. As if we didn't meet creatures last season who couldn't who could get through mountain ash. So they throw the party, and then Scott and Malia and uh, and Lydia go to the nursing home, and they meet uh, Elias, and he has really bad dementia. And then he got, sort of comes to and is really really mean, and they're like, oh my god, this guy is an asshole. And then the sheriff shows up, and he's like, why the hell did you come here? That my like my dad sucks. And then his dad is like, you have a dead wife and a loser son. And the sheriff is like, what? But meanwhile at the party, oh damn, that is time. I didn't even get to Chris and. But I did get to like most of the end of the most other of it. Stuff. Yeah, congrats. Thanks. Okay, so to sum up <laughs> at the party stuff. They're at the party. Gwen is still freaking out because nobody remembers her sister. Hayden is trying to comfort her. And uh Liam and Mason are like, we didn't forget anything. We totally got this down. Meanwhile, a ghostwriter gets in the house somehow, presumably. Through the ceiling. Well, they're, uh, yeah, through the lightning in the ceiling. You're mm-hmm. right. And then uh, Corey's like, he's here, and then goes invisible, and then grabs him while he's invisible, and then comes revisible, and then he shows the Ghost Rider is, like, corporeal, basically. Um, and then Parrish shows up to try to fight the Ghost Rider, and he leaves and leaves Gwen, but now everybody at the party has seen the Ghost Rider. And Scott, is, like, comes back and is like, first and first mostly, why did you throw a party in my house? <laughs> stupid second of all now all these people people are in trouble uh the sheriff comes over to help scott clean up the party and he's like yeah just so you know my dad was an abusive asshole and also i don't know what's wrong with me but i keep having this dream where i have i'm talking to claudia and we're talking about starting a family and i want a son named after her dad but we'd call him styles and scott's like hmm that's crazy we're not unpacking that right now (laughs) But meanwhile, at the hospital, <laughs> Melissa and Chris, who are so flirting at this point, they are Ew. so dating. Um, he's like, uh, there's something weird about these bodies, and it's because this one part of their brain is missing. And Mel- Melissa's like, yeah, that's pretty gross. And then the Nazi werewolf eats that part of somebody's brain. 
Ew. Ew. It was very squishy. I just, like, I often am really repulsed by the way that people try to dramatize, like, I mean, I also can't do cannibal stuff. You know this about I me. I do. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think that there's stuff like this all the time. Like, anytime, a, a, this happens, I think, in Ragnarok, too, where, like, humans eat animal organs like animal hearts and they like really grossly don't eat it like a person they like drag their lips on it and like play it out and I'm like I know that was a direction given to you but it is such an inhuman thing to do and looks so strange that I'm like I'm not grossed out by your action I'm grossed out by your acting (laughs) I think the worst part of this particular um organ eating scene is that you can really hear it when he swallows that that was the part that really got to me where I was like that's gross I mean we're often complimentary of the Teen Wolf sound editing and that just (laughs) happens to be a really yucky part of it um you know what was it good body horror like did it disgust me was it supposed to yeah I just didn't like it yeah me personally it just wasn't the most like you know we've seen a lot of autopsy scenes and I think the one that's still like strikes me as the most interesting is the one where like Melissa pulls somebody's scalp off. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think it's in season four. Yeah. They kind of do that um, in this episode too. Yeah. But not as, you know, Oh, if you hear thunder and lightning, we are full on in the middle of a lightning storm. Yeah. So the ghost riders are in town. They're here. Yeah. I hope you guys remember us. <laughs> Actually, maybe it'd be good if everyone <laughs> forgot everything we ever did. We're having this conversation about shame. I'm like, oh, I'm, I don't regret anything. And now I'm like, I don't know. A lot of my life is online. <laughs> um, anywho, we're going to be talking about this episode through the theme of arrogance. Everybody thinks they know. Arrogance. The motto <laughs> of the Team Wolf, Ray Wolf. Um, everybody thinks that they have a plan. Everybody thinks that they can get away with not telling everybody the whole thing. Everyone thinks that they can just sort of put their trust in people around them. Like everything's going to go um, their way. And you know what's interesting about this is the voice of reason is missing. That's why everyone's like, maybe we should think this through. The plan guy is in a train station with Peter somewhere. Yeah. And the important thing about that is that Styles has plans A, B, C, and D. And all of these folks have never gotten beyond plan A, maybe. Yeah, plan A, act on your impulses. It's not so much a plan as it is an idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's interesting. It's interesting the way it plays out, the way it gets people hurt. Um, Not even just random nurses, but also like how it hurts, you know, people in in friend situations. So where would you like to start? Um, I kind of want to start with the... um, the baby pack the or baby, the, ba- the baby pack? I want to start with the baby pack. Okay. Because the baby pack kind of is dealing with um, the consequences of... Negligent parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and they're, like, doing the best that they can. But because they are, like, the teenageriest of teenagers, mm-hmm. they really think they have something going. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because at first, when Scott arrogantly decides that, like, everything's going to be fine. Like, it's all good. Liam, just deal with it. You're, you're a big kid now. Like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Liam is um, slightly hesitant at first to do anything crazy. And, you know, they're in the library and they're planning. Classic Teen Wolf move. They're moving into the big pack shoes. And they do something that is so season one, which I love, which is they're like, well, if we throw a party, we can keep track of this girl. Because, of course, she'd come to the party. And that's a crazy uh, assumption to make, actually, because if I was going through, like, a thing, I wouldn't go to a party. I'd be like, where's my family? 
Um, I guess the idea is that she's going to ask people at the party, but it's not really a great place for conversation making. And also, when Mason's like, oh, wait, I have like the perfect idea of where to go, my immediate thought was the the vet clinic. Yeah. <laughs> Which is also surrounded by Mount Nash. And also, presumably, Deaton is there. Or also, also, if this girl is like so worried that her sister has been taken or something like that has happened... The sheriff knows about the wild hunt. They could have been like, we're going to take you to the police and you can tell the sheriff and he will understand. Like, that would be like, yeah, anywho, (laughs) absolute shenanigans, (laughs) like banana bread arrogance of being like, you know what? We can do this and we can have a good time while we do it. And when they're at the party, there's this scene where like Corey and Mason are like, are we forgetting something? I I don't, maybe we're, and then they're like, now let's dance. (laughs) Which is... So classic. And honestly, one of the things that I've been really enjoying about season six so far is that um, these children, because they are children. Little babies. Are actually allowed to be teenagers. Like, they are making decisions that uh, we just listed out several really logical uh, ideas for what to do to keep going safe because we are fully grown adults. But the fact that these like 16 year olds were like, you know, what would be great a party. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Like, all of a sudden, for the first time in a, in a couple seasons, we have teenagers actually behaving like their frontal cortex isn't developed, yeah. which is exactly the case where the decision-making part of your brain isn't actually fully developed by the time you're 25. Like, I just got done cooking. <laughs> exactly. Uh, um, and so, like, you know, we're saying, like, they have the chance to be teenagers, you know? Yeah. And They're making mistakes in their life and death situation, which makes for good television. Weirdly enough, it's not like the worst idea ever because, you know, if you want to hide someone, hiding them in a crowd generally mm-hmm. is a pretty good idea. Yeah. Um, but the fact that, you know, Hayden mixes up Liam a special drink and Corey and Mason are like, let's go dance, uh, really suggests to me that they have kind of forgotten perhaps their mission or they're too stressed out by it to actually deal with it. Well, it's funny. It's a little bit of like hubris where uh, Liam is like, you know, if the ghost riders don't come, this will be a pretty fun night for us. And it's like, of course, you said it out loud. They're coming, man. Like, yeah. You jinxed it. Also, yeah. I think that that scene where um, he's like, you know, we can't get drunk. And she's like, we can't get drunk. That could have been funnier, but is funny in general. Yes. Also, like, not that partying is the end all be all, but is being a werewolf worth it? Like, I feel like Peter would be really pissed that he couldn't, like, reap the benefits of like a nice scotch other than like the taste which is like some people do like the taste you are so gross hard <laughs> liquor is so yucky it is great um you know i i actually was thinking about this and i'm like you know the amount of things that you probably could do as a werewolf that maybe you like should not do as a human being uh outweigh the fun of partying yeah that's fair. Like, if you were a werewolf, you could do extreme sports, and it wouldn't matter. You could be, like, bad at extreme sports. Dude, you could go on and crush American Ninja Warrior. Oh, my God. <laughs> I feel like if there was a sport I wanted to get good at at this point in my life, American Ninja Warrior <laughs> might be up. Like, I look at the people who do that, and I'm like, that is insane. It is so crazy. The finger strength. Yeah. Oh, That's my gosh. really gets me. Yeah. I don't have, like, great hands. <laughs> Like, they're not really good at their job, so I really couldn't do it, but... No, but in this apartment, you are the one who opens the jars. That's true, but that's more about, like, might. <laughs> it's not really about strength. Grip strength, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
like I have no interest in running a marathon. Like I'm beyond that point in my life. I think. Like I think it would be really cool if I could wake up and do it, but I'm not going to train for it. I feel like I would see myself training to do Ninja Warrior. Yeah. I think it's so cool when people like build courses in their backyards. I love and do it with their kids. Yeah, little baby ninjas. Yeah. It's so so cute. Also, like, talk about an entertaining show. <laughs> American Ninja Warrior sponsor us. We are talking you up so much. Yeah, it brings me great joy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if I were a werewolf, American Ninja Warrior. But I would also get like really good at snowboarding. Yeah, yeah. Sean White, werewolf. Very possibly Michael Phelps. Some kind no, of- just like a different type of freak of nature. But I love Michael. I don't know what it is about Michael Phelps. Long-standing crush on the man. I don't know how to process that. Anyway, moving on from Olympians. Back to the baby pack. It's interesting to me also, because she's tangentially connected to the baby pack in this episode, where Gwen is actually presented with the first person who believes her about her sister and is like, yeah, your answer actually isn't logical enough for me. <laughs> like the arrogance of thinking that there has that the one person who's on your side is wrong. Well, it also, I assume it probably feels kind of hurtful to her. Like it's just so outlandish Yeah, that it might seem to her like, oh, we well, are clearly not taking me seriously. No, no, no. I think you're right. And she says that in the episode, I, it just more felt like, you know, crazy that the first person who wants to listen you're like that's not the answer I'm looking for yeah right like there's something else that she like she has an idea of it but she's not exactly bringing you know possibilities to the table so that's just sort of what I meant okay makes sense um but yeah like and it's really interesting to me how even after all goes wrong but they they save Gwen which is obviously a huge confidence boost um, I literally have no idea why Parrish was there. Not a clue. Bueller, like wh- <laughs> he he like also doesn't do anything. He shoots him. He shoots him, but gun. like he doesn't. Ha- there's no con- like consequence to him being here. So maybe something ended up on the you know cutting room floor. Just maybe a distraction. Had- yeah. Well, what I find interesting about that a contract, whole- <laughs> like <laughs> Ryan Kelly had this many episodes. Hey, Ryan Kelly. Our biggest fan. Our biggest fan <laughs> had this many episodes in his contract, and they were like, oh, we got to shoehorn him in. We'll never know. Um, um, no, we won't. I mean, yeah, no, we won't. Um, what I do think is interesting about the whole party thing yeah. is that the one person who isn't really experiencing extreme arrogance is the one who is uh, basically the reason that Gwen is saved which is Corey. Yeah. Uh, who also then exposes everybody else to the Ghost Rider, but... Uh, okay, like, <laughs> Corey is the super spreader at the COVID event. He really is. Uh, but he and Mason have this conversation where he's just like, I don't know how I can be helping in this situation because I don't fight like Liam. Like, I don't have these powers. I'm not like the rest of you. He yeah, has no confidence. Yeah, you're completely unhelpful, Corey. Um, yeah, he has no confidence because he's earned no confidence. Yeah. Um, he has not contributed anything to the group project. Well, being able to see the Ghost Riders is cool. Yes, and he puts that to use because, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's impossible to fight something you can't see or even, like, it... It's kind of suggested that even if Corey could direct Mason to, like, where the Ghost Rider is, he wouldn't be able to touch him. Like, he wouldn't be corporeal, I think is 
what you how you described it. Yes. Um, so the fact that Corey like basically pulls him into the real world is I is what enables them to save Gwen and then causes the problem. Well, what it does suggest is that Corey can exist on two planes of existence, which is fucking wild. <laughs> That's insane. Uh, yeah. He goes into like. A, a, a parallel dimension, basically. Very cool, actually. Yeah. Actually, maybe Corey doesn't suck. He has just sucked up until now. <laughs> he has not been put to proper use. I would just say he's passive. Yes. Um, which you cannot be. Yeah. Well, maybe that's a form of arrogance. Like, inaction? Mm, I don't know. Well, in the way that you're like, well, other people will deal with it because I can't. Possibly. He just seems more like frightened okay. than anything to me. You're right. I'm like putting way more vitriol in this kid who's had like maybe 20 minutes of screen time. He's a little wimp is what he is. Yeah. Me too. Um, I'm, I'm such a scaredy cat. I could never do any of this. I'd be like, yeah, I'm out of <laughs> You guys have fun with that. Oh, wait, I'm Corey. <laughs> well, I think you, like Liam, who also was outie, would grow into your responsibilities. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> Is that like a personal observation or like sort of, uh, you know, rising to the occasion of man's potential type of observation? I, I think a little mix of both. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting to me that for the first time, these guys are like, we can do this on our own, which is pretty much how like Scott and Styles had to do this at the beginning and then make a bunch of mistakes. Um, so I appreciate that. It feels like, you know... It feels like it recognizes where where we started. Um, and not really in a nostalgic way, just in the way that it's playing in the rules of the universe. Like, teenagers mm-hmm. are dumb, and there you think that they're right. It's also the consequence of Scott entirely placing his trust in Liam. Yeah, okay, maybe we should talk about the big kid pack. Let's do it. The big pack... <laughs> Crazy behavior. The only person who's being moderately normal is Lydia, and she is seeing ghosts. So... <laughs> Everybody is um, just also not on this plane of existence but like mentally yeah um well we have this i mean we said before they don't have their plan guy you know mm -hmm. but like amelia's um absurd behavior is really traceable absolutely um she obviously does not have any of her coyote training that she previously had without styles um and so she is kind of losing it you know being losing full control and turning into a full wolf wolf full coyote uh like scott says like none of the exterior stressors should have had that effect on her mm-hmm. um but she also is not really taking into consideration just how wild her behavior is being yeah it's less evident i mean she's in the beginning of this episode taking a math test which girl i understand oh that's how i actually too turn into a full coyote <laughs> when thinking about math um my brain just like actively falls out of my head and onto oh, the floor leaks. Yeah. um yeah so i understand and it also is um i think further exacerbated by natalie's whole school is a safe space weirdness okay, I, I, there's something about that phraseology that feels like it's commenting on the idea of safe spaces in a way that's making fun of them and it's been through several episodes now and i'm like is she supposed to be sounding like the uwu guidance counselor like we're all good here type of thing because I, I, or is she genuinely trying to reassure malia because it doesn't seem like i that. think it's the way that the phrase safe space has in more recent years than this show come out been absolutely flipped on its head by like trolls totally yeah yeah 
Um, so, you know, hindsight's 50-50. <laughs> so Malia's having this, you know, issue with the math test. But then when they decide to go to the nursing home, she fully just knocks that dude out and stuffs him in a broom closet. Well, it's arrogant to think that they wouldn't need a plan to get into a nursing home. It's a medical establishment. People are going to ask you why you're, you're there. And then Malia is absolutely being arrogant by being like, well, we'll just beat him up and walk in. As if and like, the dude is going to wake up eventually. Yeah. And, and if he doesn't wake up, <laughs> you killed a man. And it's not... What I find so funny about that is that it's not as though um, she like looks to Scott for approval, nor does he stop her. Like... No. <laughs> um, Scott, I think, is perhaps like resting on his laurels of having been able to like keep the pack together and like solve mysteries. Um yeah, there's nobody really checking Scott at any point. Yeah, which, again... Because like, Stylus isn't there. Um, and Lydia is trying. So I think the solution here is that they just need somebody who's going to be slightly mean to all of them all the time. Doesn't everybody need something like someone like that in I their lives? I think that's actually how our friendship thrives. <laughs> uh, possibly. Um, yeah, so it's, it's actually kind of sad to see Malia be regressing that far. And I think... Uh, her arrogance is almost like overcompensating for the lack of control that she feels. Oh, totally. And I think that that is often a response. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it is. And like, I am a huge subscriber of like fake it till you make it. Um, But I think there is a level of, if I could do this before I can do it now, I shouldn't have to reevaluate my skill or my, you know, control or my emotional state. And that's how everyone's feeling. Yeah. And part of that is because they can't recognize what's been disrupted in their psyche you know in their space even um so that is actually sort of a, a compelling um symptom of styles's loss mm-hmm. um i miss him already <laughs> yeah he's been gone for only two episodes but it really really shows mm-hmm. um but again and i said this in our interview with will like this season being emotionally refocused around one of the main characters is one of its greatest successes I agree. um and yeah and you know even Lydia like Lydia's obviously always a little smart ass mm-hmm. in a way that I love obviously she's sitting there and it feels like nobody because they didn't come in with a plan nobody knows what they're supposed to do when they come in and talk to this man who's like lost his faculties and Lydia is like well we do this we do this and then like she ultimately ends up triggering an episode of clarity which is unhelpful to them Mm -hmm. and actually makes them like pretty much knocks them down a peg like scott finds out that his dad was a cheater which wow where is Raphael? i'm sorry he left (laughs) and never came back and now we find out that he's a cheater yeah i thought he was just an alcoholic which you know not great to begin with no um for anybody involved uh i was a little confused on the commentary about natalie that she's ugly now but she clearly isn't no i think it was that she's gotten old but i think the idea was that like people stop listening to loudmouth girls when they are not pretty anymore which is a totally a dude take yeah um it that whole scene i i really liked um i thought it was so uh interesting and i i do kind of wonder if lydia um would have been more of an asset in that situation were she not experiencing those weird uh train hallucinations 
because um, it kind of feels like she's off her game a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I also think like, you know, Lydia's hallucinations usually tie into something that she can slightly recognize, you know, mm-hmm. or she like feels compelled by death. This is so different. You know, she doesn't know where these people are leading her and she doesn't know why. She doesn't know if they're dead. And that is definitely throwing off her game. And then I think she is in kind responding with like overconfidence, mm-hmm. um, which is ultimately leads to a really m- mean time at the, um, I almost said mental hospital at the, the uh, nursing, home. nursing home. Yeah. Yeah. We're done with the mental hospital. Thank God. I know. God, like it's such, it's just, well, they also, like, there's a really flip little line. It's like after the orderlies at Eichenhaus, um, which I guess is the only way that we're ever going to talk about Eichenhaus literally ever again. Yeah. Uh, as if it didn't traumatize every single person on the show. Well, it's also just kind of like, uh, if we don't, if we only bring up how we completely, like, did the sort of, like, um, exploitative plot line as, like, mental health as a horror device in jest then we didn't do it and it's like yeah we, we saw you do it Teen Wolf we were all there I won't see it and I won't respond to it <laughs> um but yeah you know it's interesting obviously that that scene leads to one of the the most compelling moments in the show which is when Elias says you know go home to your dead wife and your loser son or something like that yeah I wrote that I wrote it down because it's really jarring that well yeah you know I also like especially considering the way that people talked about styles in the early parts of the show were like, he was really unpopular. His teachers thought he was weird and annoying and annoying. And I think that they're not that sheriff thinks that styles is a loser, but I think he's always been worried that that's what people thought of his life. You know, it's very much like a concentrated fear of the way that people perceive you. And I wonder if, you know, he said no one's visited my dad in months. What what was the last time he, what was the last thing his dad said to him last time he visited, you know? Yeah. It's kind of heartbreaking um, because, like, the sheriff uh, obviously feels some sort of obligation to his dad, um, despite how deeply that man hurt him. Um, and even though he doesn't know that this is what he's acting on, like, I think possibly part of their continued strained relationship is how his dad has treated styles. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like acting on that memory. Um, yeah, it's really, Oh, it's so tremendously sad. Yes, it is. It is. And like I said, it was good to get a little bit of, uh, his, of the sheriff's backstory. Um, and you know, it also like, is an interesting story about like breaking the cycle of abuse. Because mm-hmm. we, as we said, like Sheriff is a really good dad. And at the end of this episode, you know, they've had this whole thing where like they, Claudia and the Sheriff don't have kids. He goes to go take care of Scott and tells him he's going to clean up the house before his mom gets home. Which he- is just the most generous thing that you could possibly do. Like it's really touching, but also like that house must be gross. I will also say though, it was an arrogant thing to do to not anticipate that like to think that the, that these teenagers who have never listened to any rules at all are going to listen to you just because it's personal. Mm-hmm. And when he's like, yeah, we don't do that. We don't go. You can't talk to him. They are going to go behind your back, dude. If I were the sheriff, I would have been like, yeah, my dad's dead. Yeah. Well, I, what I'm finding really interesting about this is obviously the 
common thread of why Scott has such a close bond with the sheriff is because of Styles. And this would be way too much to walk out in the season. I'm not necessarily asking for it, but it is interesting to see that even with Styles gone, that they still have that connection to the sheriff. Mm-hmm. Um, even without all of that backstory from styles and like everything that they've all gone through together because like without him i mean would scott have thought necessarily in a lot of those situations to involve the sheriff that's true also it does it is important to know that styles is the one who told the sheriff about the supernatural so you Mm -hmm. have to imagine some sort of weird other situation in which he would have gotten involved um yeah i mean i'm not asking for it because like in this moment i am completely able to suspend my disbelief um but i do think it's interesting that's all i ask is that i'm able to suspend my disbelief when shit gets too messy like season five is is like throwing (laughs) dry pasta at the wall to see if it sticks it's all bouncing off and hitting you you're like this is horrible i'm having a bad time get the vacuum (laughs) but this it's like if enough is sticking i'll keep watching i don't care yeah yeah it doesn't bother me um do you have any other thoughts on on arrogance um, we don't really need to talk too much about him, but, um, clearly the, uh, Nazi werewolf teacher, Mr. Douglas is really confident about being able to gain whatever power he's after. Um, I think it's, his, I think that's like the thing that he eats to be the power, the power he has. I think that's, his like his thing. Yeah. I cannot for the life of me remember. Um, no, because I. Like, moving into Q's and O's, here's an observation. Not a question, sorry. (laughs) It's an observation. Literally, if you are not engaging, if you are introducing, like, Nazis into a show and you're not engaging with, like, the actual horrors of, like, Nazism and fascism and you're just using it as a general, like, moniker for evil, that's reductive. It's not a particularly interesting villain. Yeah, he could have just been an evil dude. Yeah. Like, a particularly heinous powerful werewolf yep it it would be fine yeah legit like Like, i'm disinterested (laughs) because you like it's just reductive um again if you actually wanted to engage in the conversation about that um i and i'm sure we'll have more to say i'm sure we will like maybe it'd be interesting i don't really want to see that commentary from teen wolf no but generally like nazis are always thrown into shows to be like and that's how you know the good guys are good because they're not Nazis. And it's like, yeah, no, Nazis are evil, but you need to talk about why they're evil if you're going to put them in here. Otherwise, they're just like, I just keep saying the word reductive. It's just reductive. I mean, yeah, because this guy just eats things out of people's brains. Cool. Yeah. Any evil, any monster can do that. Again, like you're <laughs> exactly. not engaging in the politics. Um, so cues and notes. Did you have any questions before I launched into that? Oh, Um. I'm kind of wondering, and I, I think maybe I already have my answer because we have two harbingers of death on the show, but do you think that even without Corey, that Parrish would be able to see the Ghost Riders? Well, I think that it was really weird to me that Parrish didn't try to hound out for the, when he was fighting the Ghost Riders. Shooting him with mm-hmm. a gun, dude, how many times does shooting somebody with a regular gun work on this show? Almost never. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It just seemed, it was interesting to me maybe we'll find out I, don't, I, have no I mean idea. that would be interesting to me but i feel like if he was being the hound he would have been able to see him mm-hmm. um i find it weird that lydia can't see them but i guess they're not dead they're just on an alternate plane of existence so yeah 
Yeah. Cool. Corey. Cool. Um, do you have any other questions? Uh, no questions. Observations? Yeah. Um, I liked that we came back to the um, helium thievery. Oh, yeah. I Yes. Uh, and also, fun fact, helium is a finite resource. I learned that recently. I yeah. haven't stopped thinking about it. I, I feel, yeah, helium is a finite resource. How do you um, harvest helium? I think you, like, mine it. I think it's, like, kind of like fracking. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, okay. Anyway. Um, <laughs> no, I, I like... How much of my life depends <laughs> on helium? Like, are we... I mean, I, we're obviously at the, the apex of... Um, massive environmental crises yeah i honestly um, think very little um but i could be wrong anybody who knows about the helium shortage yeah somebody's gonna be like actually when the helium runs out the climate gets even this much worse oh okay cool um but anyway i liked that continuity i uh, but speaking of continuity yeah malia when they get to the nursing home yeah (laughs) is like just use your claws and scott's like no we're not gonna do that because it could hurt him didn't you claw so, a 12-year-old, like, two episodes ago? Yeah, I guess we care now. Or the, you clawed the, Corey without his permission last season? Come on. Yeah. Guys, get it together. Like, it really pisses me off when Teen Wolf doesn't maintain the value of things, you know? Yeah. Like, an alpha in season one doesn't mean what an alpha in season three doesn't mean what an alpha in season six means. And there's no clear delineation as to why those differences exist no which is what's really frustrating um much as i um enjoyed the little moment of clarity from mr stilinski and like learning um about like what a bad person he is um i thought throwing Raphael in as like a cheater and throwing that new piece of information in was just kind of odd it felt a little out of place. We already know him as like a, a kind of violent drunk. We, yeah. That's, that's fine. I think we, I don't think we needed to know Especially that. Especially if Raphael's never coming back. Yeah. It means nothing if he's not there. Yeah. Um, I just thought that was silly. And I really liked the lighting in this episode. Is it because there was a party? Maybe. Okay. First <laughs> observation, we have been completely without Teen Wolf parties. Were there any parties in season five? I don't think so. I could be wrong. I love a Teen Wolf rave. This was not quite the rave of old. No. Season it did four, not happen in a three, warehouse right? or a leaky pipe factory. Yeah, yeah. I miss that. Mm-hmm. Um, I really do. Uh, love a Teen Wolf party because again, it does. It like it feels like it's teenagers, even though it's like totally the most bombastic, like unrealistic high school party because there's like a DJ, but like you know, yeah. So fun. Um. Oh, you know what? We barely talked about this, but Daddy Argent is back in the house. <laughs> looking particularly rugged and handsome he looks so handsome and he okay there is a moment i will say like as much i was really excited to see chris i really was obviously it's not as much of a relief as it is when you finally see him in season five because this season is um (coughs) good (laughs) well and also we weren't at a point of needing him yet yes yeah um but this is also the first episode we've seen melissa in the season thus far and i was like she looks so good. She her looks little so jammy. She looks so pretty. Um, I really liked that first interaction they have when he like breaks into the house because I'm like, have I you love two? that he actually is making her coffee. Yeah, have you two? Um, um, what is going on? It seems very familiar. Yeah, it um, does. I'm all about. So, it. Yeah, it's nice. I like that yeah. uh, pairing. They're single. They're hot. Mm-hmm. They're adults, and they should let it happen. Yeah, I they agree. do actually. So I agree. Um. Anywho, any more observations? Um, no, <laughs> no. I got my Nazi rant out of the way. 
with many more to come i'm i'm sure yeah it's just like oh so annoying whatever anyway you can't sweep <laughs> that you know you, you just can't like thin it out like you just that. can't you actually just cannot <laughs> can you not <laughs> Yeah. Anywho, uh, should will actually we give us our uh, pack stats? I sure will. We had five eyes, three claws, no shirts that I noticed, um, and no ads that I noticed. But I was also like pretty engrossed, and it was if there were ads, they weren't um, obvious. I didn't. I don't think we really saw anyone's phone or saw anyone driving. No. Um, Gone are the Macy's bags. Rip. Uh, and no sirens, but a few booms. A few, yeah, lightning strikes. Yeah. Um, the torrential downpour that was occurring about <laughs> 20 minutes ago was like, I thought we were going to lose power. I was a little afraid. I was a little, a little afraid. Um, um, it's, it would be dark in here. It is. It is lightning season in, in the city of Chicago. Uh, well, cool. Do you have an alpha of the week? Honestly, I don't think anyone has done anything particularly alpha-y. Sheriff, Actually, maybe? yeah, I would give it to the sheriff if only because he helped Scott clean up the party. I don't give it to Liam, like, A for effort style. Like, he really was like, I'm going to be the alpha, and then it blew up in his face. So. His hair also looked particularly good in this episode, I would is say. Is his hair a little red? I is, think it is, yeah. Sounds very, very good. A little, little ginge. Mm-hmm. Just a little. That's nice. Um, Cool. I think that about wraps it up. Uh, If you guys liked this episode or first if you liked our interview with will you guys can listen to him at the return to beacon hills podcast rtbh podcast is their handle on things (laughs) but if you like the rest of it you can follow us on twitter at teen wolf underscore rewolf which is also our instagram handle you can follow us on tumblr teen wolf rewolf you can join our facebook group teen wolf rewolf podcast if you really like this episode you can leave us a review on itunes if you leave us five stars and review we read it out loud and give us comment and give you commentary about it i guess um you can also buy our stickers on redbubble and buy us a coffee ko-fi.com forward slash teen wolf rewolf all of those links are in all of our bios for all of our stuff so we're easy to find it's all in one place um and other than that we hope you guys have a wolf of a week uh woo